Well, today on Your Story with Melinda, I have one of the most inspiring and incredible guests I've ever had on the show. Her story will rock you. And here's the thing. My guest, Elizabeth Correa, has endured physical abuse, sexual abuse, violence. She was a teen mom, had a, had a baby when they got pregnant at 16. She's been in and out of foster care, saw her boyfriend murdered in front of her. But here's what's great. Even though she has endured trauma, she has life with a purpose. And she's here in the studio to share with us just how to do that, how to live with purpose, hope, and love. That's coming up next on the show. Elizabeth Correa, it is so wonderful to have you in the studio with me finally mm-hmm. to do a little catch up and do some girl talk together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first time I met you, it was on the stage at a women's conference in Toronto. Yes. I mean, a number of years ago. Yes. And I think it was sort of like this kindred spirit because I was listening to you talk. I'm like, oh, I need to get to know her. She's my kind of girl. And, and that was way back then. And it's taken us a little bit to finally get here, but I'm yeah. glad we're finally doing that. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I know. And so how long have you been speaking for? So um, I think really taking it serious, um, I would say about five years, like legitimately, like consistently um, started the business, uh, five years. But and and we met prior to that when I was just kind of dibbling and dabbling in it. And and so you were just starting up. I was just starting up. And you you inspired me. Let me tell (laughs) you. Yes, you did. Amazing. So, I mean, for you to be on your story with Melinda, I I felt it was really perfect because you have quite a story. And in the introduction Mm -hmm. that I shared with our viewers, I mean, just it's like one thing after another. I mean, it was your abused child in the foster care system, Mm -hmm. your survivor of domestic violence, and your teen mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are huge things. One in itself is huge. Yes. But you have endured so many things. And so I want to give you the time and platform to really share your story. Mm -hmm. So let's go right back to childhood. So even before you entered into foster care, let's talk a little bit about your family and what you experienced as a young girl there. Yeah, so I, um, I I was born and raised in the projects um, in an extremely abusive household. And it wasn't just, um, you know, mental abuse, every type of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, my father, my both my parents were alcoholics. And um, my dad, who, you know, I live in total forgiveness with today. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful relationship. But, um, you know, they battled with a lot of just um, mental, emotional just issues and so there was physical abuse and emotional, and there was sexual. Um, and that started at a very young age, as far back as I can remember, really? which is about five or six. Mm. So I really don't know when it started, but uh, it's as far back as I remember. And, you know, my, my childhood, I'd say elementary, um, throughout those years in elementary school was particularly very difficult for me. Um, I, I lived with all these different masks, and I had, you know, not that any seven, eight-year-old knows who they are, but right. it, it was it was difficult and it was tiring. Um, it was scary. It was, I, I was angry. I was hurt, all these different emotions. And I ended up feeling a lot safer outside of the home, mm. on the streets. Really? Yeah, I did. And um, 
It was where I, I created some beautiful friendships. It was where I felt myself. It was where I could be myself mm-hmm. without having to tell anyone what was going on at home. Oh, yeah. I see. Now, when you say on the street, does that mean you, was it you started just hanging out there and you mm-hmm. found, you found like sort of your tribe and community or how does, how does yeah. that work when you sort of like yeah. go on the street? So it was definitely my tribe and community. Yeah. I would say that, yeah. uh, you know, I was, I was born and raised with a lot of these friends. Uh, okay. We went through elementary school together and uh, when I got to about 13, I started, I just uh, kind of started becoming a product of that environment on mm-hmm. a different level. So the innocence was gone. Yeah. Um, I was curious and angry mm-hmm. and sad and broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you add that in with the curiosity, it's trouble. Yeah. So uh, at the same time, just probably before that, um, I went into the foster care system. And I was there for years. Um, and were you placed there because of the situation at home? I was. So okay. I was placed there because I decided to, I was, I was fed up and I, I spoke out. Um, I was actually removed from the home prior to that when I was about 11. Mm. Uh, my, when my mother had left my father, she had my father arrested. And um, we were removed from the home while they were investigating, while the, the trial was happening. Mm-hmm. And because we were too afraid to speak then, my sister and I, uh, we actually returned back to the home. So my, my father won that case. Wow. Um, and I even think all of that was, was just purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were, I decided two years later that um, things started getting bad. And I just thought, you know, I can't do this anymore. And now I, I've gotten a taste of what freedom kind of feels like. Mm-hmm. Well, the kind of freedom that, you know, not the kind of freedom we know, God's truth, but, you know, the streets kind of freedom. And um, it's where I wanted to be. And so I started selling drugs at 13. I started hanging out with um, a lot of guys and people who are actually dead today. They're not even. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Um, dead because, like, uh, violence? Murder, violence, um, drugs. Wow. Yeah combination of everything. Mm-hmm. So my teens were, um, oh gosh, <laughs> they were, when I look back on it now, unbelievable, unimaginable. Some of the things that I saw, some of the things that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just went on for, for a, a long time. And then I, I met my first boyfriend, so to speak, when I was 14. I was in grade nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was an extremely abusive relationship in every way. And that went on for about five years. And so I from 14 to 19, you're in a... I'd say about, about 20 even. 20. Yeah, for about, to about 20. Yeah. And, it be, and what, what kept you with him? I always say this because, yeah. I, you know, I've mm-hmm. been in one myself and I know what, you know, keeps me. But what, yeah. what kept you there? So, and I know it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um but for me, it was, it was all I knew. Mm-hmm. And so love to me was that because that was how my father was with my mother. And I think all the adults around me, that's what I saw. So that's, that's violence. How, violence and abuse. and abuse and alcohol. And, you know, so it was, um, 
it was the norm for me. I didn't, to be honest, I because it was the world I lived in and I had friends who were going through the same thing and it was the kind of crowd that I chose to hang out mm -hmm. with. And so there wasn't, I don't think I knew anyone who was in a healthy, stable relationship where abuse wasn't involved. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was um, in a very insane way. And I can I can say this now because I'm, I'm free and I'm delivered and healed. But in a very crazy way, I was, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was something that I, I, I really, I, I loved, mm -hmm. you know, um, he was extremely jealous and um, controlling. And that reminded me of my dad. And then I saw it as well, my dad loves my mom. So wow. it was like this twisted way of seeing things. A, a twisted way of seeing what sort of love Yo, and belonging absolutely. and safety security is. Yeah. I, I didn't, you know, if there was something that seemed normal, it was weird to me. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, you know, like good guys kind of thing. Yeah. We're like, oh. <laughs> so for that long, like almost six years, five, six years, mm -hmm. you're with him. Yeah. And are you still in foster care now or you're no, no you're you're no. out? So I'm I uh, I actually got I got pregnant okay. and had to leave the foster home when I was six months pregnant. Back things were just so different back mm -hmm. then. Yeah. Uh, my son's twenty five, so that's a long time ago. Yeah. So it's, you know, back then, there were, it was very rare that you would find a home or be in a home where you could stay with your child. And so I had to get out before I, you know, went into labor. You know, you can go into labor at any yeah. time after seven months. So um, when did you get pregnant? What age? I was 16. So yeah, like a, you're still like a baby. I know. Oh, I was a baby. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. When I look back on it now or, or just I see photos of my pregnancy and I was 16, I it's mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just like, I was a baby. Not just a baby. I was alone. I mean, I had um, my son's father's family, who you'll read in the book, was mm -hmm. a huge part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, grandma. We called her Grandma Joy. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done without that family because they they loved me. They took me in mm -hmm. um, as their own. Like, I remember Grandma Joy bailing me out of jail a few times. I know it's crazy, jail, mm -hmm. right? But, um, like, she was just, that was my mother. That was, oh, gosh. I got, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know mm -hmm. what would have happened if I didn't have that family. That was my getaway. Was there any sense of a need or a desire you know, for, you know, reprieve of this is, was there any sense of God or for a higher power? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. while you're going through all this in your life, was there anything that kind of connected your poetry that said there's got to be a better way or, or something mm. about God? Absolutely. So my grandmother was, um, I don't necessarily like the word warrior because it, it's not in the Bible, but she was a prayer warrior. Uh, I shared a room with her from childhood mm -hmm. for years until I left. And my sister and I slept on a double bed with her. And um, she would pray all day, mm -hmm. all night, like in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. I'd hear her praying. And uh, she'd, you know, she'd tell us Bible stories and she would tell us about Jesus. And so there was this understanding. And you said a higher power because I didn't understand him as Jesus yeah. Christ. I didn't, I didn't know God for myself. I had no personal mm -hmm. relationship with him. So I knew of this God, this Jesus, through Vavol, which mm -hmm. in Portuguese, grandma. I knew of him. 
And I admired her so much. She was my hero. I admired her so much. It was the only love that I really felt growing up that anything she said, if she said Santa Claus was real, I would have believed her, but she didn't. Mm -hmm. But anything she said, I believed, like strongly. And when I believed Mm -hmm. that there was this God that was watching me and that was protecting me. And I remember one day, I'll never forget this. We were in my room and she was standing by the window and she was praying. And, uh, and I asked her, because sometimes she'd pray to Jesus and sometimes she'd say God in Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is it two people? Mm-hmm. Is it like, I, I was, you yeah. know, so I asked her, you know, why do you pray to two people? Like, what do they both do? Mm-hmm. You know, do they have the same power? Wow, that's a good and, question. Yeah. 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 And she explained that they were one and, you know, just went into the story. And I couldn't really remember the details, but I re- when I later, obviously, mm-hmm. um, got to know God for myself, I went back to that story. And, uh, it's amazing said, that you remember back oh, as a young, as yeah. a child, or those moments. Yeah. That's why I'm always telling, you know, older people and even reminding myself, like, those moments matter. Oh. We have no idea. Like, I can remember not necessarily the things that I was given as a child, but mm-hmm. the things that were said yeah. by my parents or mentors wow. to me that I still remember. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. there's something, and I believe that, the you know, power in our words, the yes. life and death. Yeah. And so we can't be frivolous in those things, no. but knowing that every moment, who knows that that will stick. And one day, you know, you know, I look at like Nathan and Sophie, my, my stepchildren, something I said, they'll remember when they're 25. Yeah. And that is so deep and powerful because if you, when we really pay attention, it is our words that our children end up either throwing in your face or bringing up. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. Whether it's whatever, but this particular day, my grandmother said to me, I said to her, because of what I was going through mm. at home with mm. my dad, which was her son. I said, well, if, if Jesus always protects us, then does, doesn't he stop bad people from doing bad things? Mm. Yeah. <sighs> yes. And yeah. she looked at me, and I knew, she knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. She was stuck in between that, mm-hmm. too. And she said, Elizabeth... Always remember, she said this in Portuguese, always remember that there's purpose in everything, in everything. And the day that she died, I was there in the hospital, mm-hmm. right there by her bedside. Mm-hmm. And I laid on her chest, and she put her hand on my head. You're going to read this in the book. And she said, she was started praying, last thing she did before she died. Mm-hmm. And she said, God, I know that she's going to cry so many tears. She's going to suffer. But I know that there's going to be purpose in her suffering. That's what she said. She said that, and I didn't understand it. And I always said, when mm-hmm. people ask me, what was the last thing your grandma said? Or, and when I said that growing up, I didn't even understand what it was. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's you like, do. oh, and I hung on to that. Mm-hmm. And when I started going to church and, you know, oh, my goodness. It was like, wow. Now you get it. Yeah. So you are now, Let's uh, we're going to go back through the story. So you're now 16 and you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. You're with an abusive boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Talk to me and, and sort of fast forward because, you know, you said you were only with him till you were 20. Mm-hmm. So what happened in that time? And how did you encounter Jesus um, who you know, changed your life, you know, mm-hmm. where you are not the same woman that you were, mm-hmm. you know, obviously when you were 20, 21 to now. So I, um, I had to obviously 
get out of that relationship. And I don't, I can't say it was one thing in particular that made me just go. But I do know that um, I, I, I just, I was so, just so broken mm-hmm. and just tired and really just, I knew that I had to choose between life and death. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I had stayed in that relationship, um, honestly, one of us would have killed each other. I believe that. Because uh, I just, it got that bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up kind of moving, relocating, and doing my own thing. Kind of, and you're with your, your, your son? I'm with my son. Okay. And then I ended up, um, actually something really crazy happened. Um, I was hospitalized. And with just one punch that he gave me, it knocked me out. And I ended up in the hospital. And after that, it, everything just, it, that's where it really happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I had like, my eye was like a, a golf ball. It was really bad. And I thought, okay, I'm either going to die here or I got to go. Mm-hmm. So I ended up meeting another guy. I met someone else. And like I said, purpose, purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I met him, I, it was like, a couple months later, but I still had the black eye because it took a few months to go away. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, and he was kind of like, oh, wow, your eye. And we started a conversation. Anyway, make a long story short, we got into a relationship. And he was kind of like a breath of fresh air. And what, what I mean by that is, yes, we we're both living the same lifestyle, both selling drugs, but both just tired mm-hmm. and wanting more. And we would often talk about change and what we want to do and dreams and visions and going back to school and all this great stuff. And we would have these deep conversations about God. Wow. And it wasn't a God that I knew personally or mm-hmm. he knew, but he knew through his mom mm-hmm. or family. Mm-hmm. And I kind of the same thing through my, my grandmother. And so we'd share these stories that I had never for so many years, ever, I've never, I never spoke to anyone like that. Mm-hmm. There was no one really in my life that was stable enough to have conversations like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were together for about, uh, so less than a year. Mm-hmm. And he was then murdered in front of me and he died in my arms. Murdered in front of you? Yes. What were you doing? It was actually road rage. No way. Yeah. So, yeah. And that um, like, was... was he, when we say road rage, was it an accident or did he get no, shot? No, he was stabbed to death. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah, and I was 22, 22. So that was, I mean, it felt like at the time worse than anything I had ever gone through yeah. because here was this breath of fresh air, this this man who, mm-hmm. you know, ad- adored me in, in the way he knew how. Um, we were both broken, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, my father did something different, and he didn't have his father. Yeah. So there was brokenness. Um, but there was love. Mm-hmm. There was a connection, and it was beautiful. So at this time, you must be as a young woman going, oh, my goodness, I've had a lot of issues and trauma <laughs> yeah. and tragedy happening to me. I did. So at that point, you have decisions to make. Because I know with my viewers and listeners, I'm always big about choices. You can yes. look at your life and say, I'm either going to go down this road or this road. I'm going to decide for myself this is the kind of woman that I am, believing the lies of the enemy, or I'm going to find a way out and figure this out. And yeah. I'm, I'm really big about that because, yes, bad circumstances and things happen to us, mm-hmm. but we have, you know, the power and the free will we, to decide absolutely. what we're going to do next, right? Yes. So at this point, there's got to be something in you because obviously <laughs> God's been with you and 
and protecting you because yeah. there's so many places, Elizabeth, where mm-hmm. it could have been a different story. Oh, lots. So you see your your boyfriend murdered, and then what? How? Where is that connection to when you actually decide? Okay, I need a relationship with Jesus. So while we were together, mm-hmm. we used to go and get our nails done at this um, uh, salon mm-hmm. in Albion Mall. And that's in Toronto. And that's in Toronto. Okay. Uh, Rexdale, Toronto area, yeah. And um, there was this lady there, and her name was Roma. And she just, wow, when I say just God. Mm-hmm. Um, she got to know him and I. And when this happened, it was all over. It was in the news, newspapers. It was like all over. And uh, I had a feeling that she saw it and knew because a lot of people did. But for the first, I would say, few weeks, I wouldn't use this word back then because I had very rarely heard the word depression. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I that word, I mean, we kind of mm-hmm. grew up in the same era. Like, yeah. it didn't exist. You were sad. You were broken. Yeah, you were hurt. You never say No yeah. one. You no. wouldn't say. We didn't talk about it. No, you didn't mm-hmm. talk about it, right? I was depressed. I was laid in bed for three weeks. I did not eat. I only left the bed to go to the cemetery every day. To the cemetery, as if he was there, mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. and go back into my little. I remember, I'm a mother, so it was a horrible time in my life, and I was just so broken, the worst I had ever felt, mm-hmm. that it was like something's got to give. I don't know what I'm gonna do, and the only person I could think of, because every time we went to the salon, it's awesome. and I'm gonna keep it real, yeah, she'd talk about Jesus. <laughs> You gotta love those. They're, so oh Roma, Roma, yeah. who talks yeah. about Jesus, and Roma, Sister Roma, she's my spiritual mother, <laughs> talks about Jesus. And she, oh, I didn't know at the time she was planting seeds. Mm-hmm. She, she, <laughs> she'd say to me, she'd say things to me. She would tell me things mm-hmm. that I'm gonna do that I'm doing today. Amazing. So that was your later. connection. So that was your connection with Jesus. That was my connection. That was your with first Jesus. connection. And I had no idea mm-hmm. that she even belonged to a church. She never invited me to church. She was just planting seeds yeah. while she's doing my nails. And there were times where I was like, I don't really want to go see Roma today. She's going to talk about Jesus again. Uh, right? Those, so, those evangelists. You know, right? so, and, and it was just, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm just being real. Um, and then I just thought of her. And I, all I could think of is, I need to see her. And I walked to that salon. The moment she laid eyes on me coming across, entering, she started bawling because she had seen it on the news. And she knew. And she didn't know how to get hold of me. And I just fell in her arms, Mm -hmm. and she brought me into a back room. And uh, uh, emotional, just Mm -hmm. thinking about it. I cried a cry that was like all of those years of being that tough girl. It just, it was so therapeutic. Yeah. It was like you could finally just release And be me, the hurting girl, the angry girl. And have somebody embrace you and love you in all the mess. And beautiful. it was beautiful. And then she invited me to church. So what I love about that is that a lot of times we as Christians want to invite the person to church without the relationship. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's always like, now just come to church. Come on my turf, which is really uncomfortable for you. Oh. But it's comfortable for me, so come. And see, that's the beauty oh, where I'm always I about. It. it always starts with relationship. It does. It always starts with relationship. It gains trust. You get to know the person. Yeah. It's not the easy way out. It's like, just, just come to church and like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I'm always saying, you know, true, 
you know, evangelism, mm. you know, begins with relationship and, and, and love for the person because there's so much love lacking in this world. Oh, People just want to be loved and accepted. And love is the answer because is. love is God and God is yeah. the answer. Yeah. So you go then. So she finally invites you to church. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first time, you probably hear like the full gospel, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the truth about Jesus. And what happens there? What? Oh, God, I was so overwhelmed uh people you know i mean speaking in weird languages you know in tongues and i that freaked me out and i was sitting there like what is happening Mm -hmm. but there was um there was a sense of peace and i felt from that very first day and i was sitting with her she was holding my hand almost the entire um, service, mm-hmm. and I just felt like I could be vulnerable here. Mm. Wow! And that felt very safe to me because I was coming from a world of guns and drugs and murder. By that time, I had been to over twenty-five funerals before I was even twenty-five. Um, I was carrying guns. I was, you know, like crazy world. And then it was like night and day. If you Mm. want to talk about darkness and light, I was coming from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, God's kingdom. And it was like, it was was Mm -hmm. shocking. And just, it was, I was, like I said, 50,000 different emotions. Mm -hmm. But I, it was a, a beautiful space for me. See, and that, again, is such a good reminder for those that are Christians and follow mm-hmm. Jesus that a lot of times it's creating safe space for people. Oh, you know, yeah, because it I, really is. More than everything else, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I look at churches and it's like, you know, yes, we have all the programs and all the shiny things. Yeah. But sometimes, I'll be very honest, we get distracted by all that, oh. right? Mm-hmm. And, and we put a lot of the emphasis on that stuff. But all people are looking for is, is love and safety mm. and to be embraced in their brokenness. It makes me emotional because, yeah. you know, you look at the hurting world and there's a, there's not a lot of places for people to do no. that where they bring their shame and their hurt and they truly feel accepted completely mm. as they are. Just like Jesus yeah. accepted all kinds all of people. All kinds, the prostitute, yeah, everyone. The adulterous the adul- woman, yeah. everything, right? Yeah. I love that story, Elizabeth, because that is what, you know, the church should be. The the mm-hmm. church is the people of God who provided that space for you. Yeah. So you're in a safe space and, and you're open and vulnerable and you find Jesus and you meet him there. Mm-hmm. And you still and your son is with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, life, you know, you've made this decision and now life continues. And for a lot of people, it's like, now it's going to be instantaneous. Everything's going to be great. Oh, and no, go, no, go, no, no. Mel. But I know, no. but that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. People people yeah. say that now that we find Jesus, because we also do that too. We, we brand it like we come to Jesus it. and oh, woo. Gosh, gosh. But yeah. it yeah. doesn't seem in your story that that oh, actually, that's, no. that's your was, reality. I was barely 23. And let me tell you, if I had, uh, so for me, there was a battle. It was a battle. Here I was living in this world, in the world, um, making fast money. (laughs) Uh, I had the best clothes, jewelry, car, you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, so it's all, you know, people get into this hustling world. It's, It's money, power, respect. I had all three. And then 
I had to choose between that, letting go of that, which was all I knew, mm-hmm. and get a real job. Get like a my f- minimum wage job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, back then, yeah. yeah. Um, go back to school. I dropped out in grade 10 when I was pregnant. Um, you know, change my circle of friends. Whoa, mm-hmm. that was the hardest. Probably even more so than letting go of that easy money. Mm-hmm. I had so much against me, like in terms of choosing. Mm-hmm. And so I was lukewarm. One foot in, one foot out. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. Mm-hmm. And that went on for a while. But that was a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Because when change happens, transformation too fast, it almost won't last. I believe that. Mm-hmm. And so the seeds were being planted. I'd go to church. And I mean, it, it was crazy. There were times where I was in church. Um, I never did drugs, which was, I know that was so God's hand drugs, on my life. But you didn't do drugs. Exactly. Which was kind of so magical in God's world. But um, I'd go. I would leave there. I'd have drugs in my bag, and I would go down to the block, wherever I was going, whether it was Regent Park or Jane Finch or Jamestown, wherever, and I, like, it was insane. But that was all a part of, of, of the journey and mm-hmm. a part of the process because I would leave there feeling guilty. And so things were start. the transformation was starting to It's like to the happen. Holy Spirit was starting yes. to be like, okay, yes, we're going to put Holy a little Spirit. bit yes. more pressure. And exactly. <laughs> and then I was starting to talk different, dress different. Mm. Uh, just I would it, everything started transforming and I didn't realize it until something would happen like you know now I'm in like you know later 20s so this is going on I, I went back to school I got a normal job um, I started so the seeds were being planted mm-hmm. and changes and, happen. and changes and happening, happening. Mm-hmm. And, and and Roma sister Roma kept a good grip on me mm-hmm. so she's the lady who you know does the pickups in the morning. Mm-hmm. Van is full on the way to church. She had a women's ministry as well. And uh, she's a lady that would knock on your door. She'd see my car outside. She's not leaving. <laughs> she's not leaving, Mel. <laughs> so I'm in there going, what a you know, yeah. maybe I just, like I, I was <laughs> clubbing or partying the night before, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. And she was just that woman that she saw where God was taking me. She saw the ministry in me. Yeah. And, and and that's good too, Elizabeth, because it's like for, for us, it's like don't give up on people. No. You know, there's that other part where sometimes when it gets really hard with hard. people, you want to just go, I'm I know, out. I know. God, I know. like, bring somebody else to deal with them. I know. And because we don't like the messy. We don't, it's the work and the, the yeah. digging in with people. But mm-hmm. this, you know, Sister Roma, wow, you know, what an example. It's like, we're just going to stay oh. and, and cling and commit and just yeah. do it, right? Yeah. And then she had me. And so she, the first time I spoke was actually back then in my late 20s where she had me share my story. First, in a, I actually started a, um, a Bible study mm-hmm. at, at my home with mm-hmm. her. And I had, it was magical. I had all my friends that were living the same lifestyle as me mm-hmm. come once a week, every week. And we would pray and we would cry and we would pour out. I mean, some amazing things happened in that space in my living room and in my in the bedroom. Wow. Um, I even turned one of the rooms into, like, um, it was a cell group. I even turned one of the rooms into a cell group. Amazing. Room. And cr- amazing things happened. So you're going fast forward. I know that we, we're already running out of time and mm-hmm. we probably need to, we're going to have to have you come back. So you're going, and for anybody from the outside, it's like, She's, you know, she's found Jesus. Things are happening. She's, she's forming mm-hmm. like a cell group, a small group. 
you know, her ways are changing. We can totally see yeah. God at work. And then something happens that, you know, you are literally faced with life and death. And at this yeah. point, you know, people are thinking she's on her way. Yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah. Because I was, uh, I had gotten married. Yeah. I was in ministry. I was speaking. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, everything was, I started street projects for for the so homeless. So this is what's happening so as this you're, is like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm building this platform um, years later. And then I, I'm, re- I'm newly divorced and bang. I'm hospitalized. I, I get rushed to emerge through emerge for emergency brain surgery. Brain surgery changed everything. It literally, it was like when you actually have to stare death in the eyes in that sense, not like street sense. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different ball game. Like I was literally told that I had, you know, less fifty percent chance of surviving this surgery. It was a five-hour surgery. They almost lost. They lost almost lost me twice during the surgery, and you come out of that, and the doctor's explaining everything to you, and you're just like, I was, I was in the state of shock going in. I remained in a state of shock for a couple of weeks, even after, and that, I would say, just changed everything. I thought I had forgiven, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. It was after that that I wanted more than ever to truly live. And I started from that point, really recreating the life that I dreamt of. It wasn't about a show. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about proving a point to my family and friends who didn't believe I could do so anymore. Mm -hmm. It was about living for Christ. Truly, that was where I really connected with Christ. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, you know, you've written this book, um, If You Played in My Playground, this one right here. Mm -hmm. And I know that after this conversation, people are going to want to hear even more about Mm -hmm. uh, what God was doing and is doing in your life, what you're up to now. Where can they get this book and how can our viewers connect with you on, on the great things that you're doing? So they can actually, they can get on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also get it through my website at uh, Elizabeth Correa, C-O-R-R-E-I-A.com. Um, they can email me at info at Elizabeth Correa.com. Okay. And, and yeah, there's just a whole bunch of information on my site as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. One last thing before you go. One point for a viewer that's been listening and saying, I totally resonate with that story. It might not be as extreme, mm-hmm. but there are points about, you know, the journey, violence I've endured, domestic, um, sexual, um, being a young mother, uh, trauma happening, mm-hmm. um, one foot in the church, one foot in the world. I mean, there's so many parts of your story that so many people can relate to. Mm-hmm. What's the one takeaway that you can tell a viewer now that as you've journeyed through your life, what is it about Jesus and relationship with him um, that is true, that has sustained you thus far? So we tend to take on all the different names and things that we see and hear or we're called when we're younger, um, our stories. And so a story is just a story. It's something that happens and it is 100% a part of your purpose. Mm-hmm. It's a part of that calling on your life. It's a part of what you're supposed to do in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not that God makes things happen. He allows things to happen for a purpose. And I would say that no matter what the story is and no matter what has happened and no matter what is happening, you have been given 
the resources, the tools, and the wisdom Mm. to create the life that you want to live. And that can only, 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 if you're thinking long-term or if you're thinking permanent for life, that can only happen through Christ. Mm -hmm. Because when you know whose you are, you know who you are. Yes. And that was where I found, I reconnected with my identity because my identity mm-hmm. was my, my, it was my DNA. Mm-hmm. God, we share the same DNA. Yeah. And when I started to study that and really dissect that, I was like, okay, I'm not my story. I'm not what my parents did to me. I'm not what happened. Mm-hmm. I, 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 can, I, can, I have power over this. Yeah. It's not going to control me no more. And, and you can. It doesn't matter what the story is, even if you're living with a disability. Yeah. I, I, I know of speakers who have no legs and no arms, mm-hmm. and they're doing massive things in the world for God, for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So I think just really not think, knowing God for yourself, yeah. not in the church building, not, I mean, yes, mm-hmm. go and you hear the teachings, and it, my pastor's teachings changed my life, yeah. but knowing him outside of the busyness, outside of the, you know, the stuff, yeah knowing him and knowing what he says about you. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you, Elizabeth Correa. That, I love that as a story, you know, as a storyteller myself, you know, my story is his story mm-hmm. and we need to share it to inspire people, uh, you know, as they transform and as they get to know him. Um, a tremendous and amazing story that you have and so excited that you're here on my show today so thank you for coming thank you thanks well that's all the time we have this week and hopefully you liked it i know i'd hit that thumbs up button if i were you you can also leave a rating on apple Podcasts, and it helps the show reach way more people you don't have to give the show five stars but it's strongly encouraged 